1996 in Washington, D.C., and a carpenter named Richard Lyons is about to inspect an old, rundown shoe store. The building it's in is marked for demolition, and it's in bad shape. Richard goes inside, climbs the stairs, and finds that everything is covered in dust. All the lights are out. He walks to the window, turns around, and that's when he sees it. And he looks up, and there is an envelope sticking out of the ceiling, an old envelope. He does something then that I would never do. He gets a ladder, climbs up, and sticks his hand up in the attic, feeling around. And at this point, the first thing he touches is a small metal sign, about eight by eight inches, that says, Office of Missing Soldiers, third floor, Miss Clara Barton. There's a camp stove, utensils, broken crates, a hairbrush, a toothbrush, bloody socks. Richard thinks that this, this is something important. I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. And today, we're taking you to a place that changed the lives of thousands of Civil War soldiers and their families, a place that was almost lost to history, the Clara Barton Missing Soldier's Office. We'll visit after this. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites— along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. Friday, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. Stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters Friday. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. It's unusual sort of in a museum that, number one, it could have been destroyed. And number two, the artifacts were found in the space where you're looking at them. So it's almost like you can breathe them. This is David Price. He's the director of the National Museum of Civil War Medicine, which manages this site. And he explains that before the top floor of this house was boarded up and left to rot, it was home to a woman named Clara Barton. She comes into the space, a school teacher from Massachusetts. She leaves the space as the world's most famous humanitarian, maybe one of the, if not the most famous person in the world. You might have heard the name. Clara Barton would eventually found the American Red Cross in 1881. But at this point in her life, 
Well, she was living in this space. That's still 20 years away. Clara had just moved to D.C. She's about 40 years old, and she takes a job as a clerk in the U.S. Patent Office. It's 1861, and at this point in history, Washington, D.C. is a pretty intense place to be. On April 15th, a Confederate attack on Fort Sumter in South Carolina triggers the outbreak of the Civil War. A few days later, on April 19th, a riot breaks out in nearby Baltimore. Union soldiers on their way to D.C. are attacked by a pro-succession mob, and 12 people are killed. When the news reaches D.C., a crowd gathers at the train station to meet the wounded soldiers, and Clara Barton goes with them. Well, it turns out they end up being soldiers that she knows because she taught some of them in Massachusetts. So the Civil War becomes extremely personal to her, just like that. As the war begins, it becomes clear that Union troops have a big problem. They do not have the supplies that they need. The Army uh, was preparing for bullets, not bandages. They were, they were planning on how to kill people or how to capture them and not necessarily to care for their own wounded. You see this in the first Battle Bull Run in Manassas, which was a disaster. Um, there was no ambulance corps at the first major battle of the Civil War. And this is where Clara Barton does something fairly incredible, something that she does over and over in her life. She sees a problem. She takes it upon herself to solve it. She asks friends to donate items, things like bandages, lanterns, rice, even wine, since clean drinking water is always in short supply. And she decides she's going to take these supplies and bring them to the front lines herself. She begins to do that quickly becomes known to the soldiers because it's unusual for a woman to be on a battlefield. And she just is a force of nature. Meanwhile, back in D.C., these supplies are piling up in her little room at the boarding house. She even has some great quotes about how she comes back from battlefields and lies exhausted and and sleeps for two days on the crates that have stacked up in the meantime of supplies for the next battle. In September of 1862, Clara sets out for Sharpsburg, Maryland, where there's rumors that there's going to be a big battle. When she arrives, the medics and surgeons are so desperate that they're wrapping soldiers' wounds in corn husks. Clara steps in and provides bandages and other medical supplies, and she also starts preparing food and giving water to the wounded. And she has her own brush with death. She sets up shop close enough that she is shot through the sleeve of the dress and it kills the man she's giving a drink of water to. This battle becomes known as the Battle of Antietam, the single bloodiest day of the Civil War. The newspapers also take notice of Clara's work and they write stories about her. They even give her a nickname, the Angel of the Battlefield. The war ends. She hears about a lot of returning troops coming into Annapolis Uh, and and decides to go there to see if she can help. Well, the soldiers recognize her and say, oh my gosh, have you seen my buddy? Uh, The last I saw him was on the battlefield. At the time of the Civil War, the Army didn't have a strong system in place for identifying soldiers and keeping track of them. There weren't dog tags back then. If a soldier was wounded in action and evacuated, there was no way for friends or family to know where they'd ended up. 
you're stuck at home and you just want to know what happened to your loved one. So you would often make your way to the battlefield and have to hire someone to help dig up your loved one's body in a, in a mass grave that you're not sure they're even going to be there. So it's pretty intense. And if you're not making that trip, you're just left in the dark. And soon enough, it's not just people Clara meets in person who are asking her for help. You could address something to Miss Clara Barton in Washington, D.C., and it would get to her. So people did that. Dear Madam, I approach you with my great sorrow. My darling boy, my only son, was reported killed in the Battle of the Wilderness, May 6, 18. Miss Clara Barton, whatever information can be given concerning of Warren D. Warden, who fell in the action of Decatur, Georgia, will be thankfully read by his aged parents. Dear Madam, you will oblige me if you can give any intelligence of my brother Joseph H. Hitchens. P.S. I neglected to mention that my son had dark hazel eyes, hair almost black. Clara can feel the desperation in these letters. And instead of turning away from it, she decides once again that she's going to do something about it. She will find a way to bring closure to these suffering families. She hires a handful of clerks using her own money, and they start answering letters. Thousands of them. Sometimes the office receives 150 letters a day. And she refuses to accept money from relatives searching for loved ones, though she is eventually reimbursed by Congress. Of course, this work is all happening in the days before the internet, before DNA, before cell phones. So instead, the team puts together giant lists of missing men, pulling names out of the letters or ones they received from other organizations. And they take these giant lists of names and distribute them to newspapers or really anybody who will post them in public places. And then they wait. So she's depending on crowdsourcing. You know, people see these lists of missing men, and if there's any information they have, they're reporting that back to her office so she can track them. And a lot of times it's a fellow soldier who says, yeah, I saw him fall in this field uh, at this battle. Or no, I, he was taken away, and I know he made it to this hospital. So then it becomes, uh, you know, a detective adventure on following the leads on, on just tidbits of information. And she's the one who's gathering all that as like command central. The team has one of their biggest breakthroughs when they learn of a man named Dorrance Atwater, a Union soldier who had been held captive at the infamous Confederate prison camp at Andersonville. Atwater had secretly kept a list of all the men, 12,000 of them who'd been buried at the camp and kept it hidden in the sleeve of his coat. He hears what Clara Barton is doing, seeks her out, turns over the information, and she's able to share that with the public. All in all, the office is able to identify 22,000 soldiers, and some of them were even still alive. They also write more than 40,000 letters. And all of this work is done by a small team of people bearing this incredibly heavy burden. She does this for a few years and is exhausted. Feels like she's done as much as she can. So the doctor prescribes a trip to Europe to rest and relax. So she does. Clara Barton goes to Europe. But while she's there, the rest and relaxation thing mostly goes out the window. Instead, she learns about a humanitarian movement called the Red Cross. And when she returns to the U.S., 
she petitions Congress to form a branch here, the American Red Cross. She leaves her old D.C. home and the missing soldier's office behind. After Clara left Washington, the building housing the missing soldier's office passed from tenant to tenant. The bottom floor became a jewelry store, then a shoe store, and the top floor where Clara lived was boarded up in the early 1900s. And that's how it stayed until 1996, when Richard Lyons saw that envelope and reached up through the ceiling. You know, if you travel to the space today, what's really cool about it is it's a time capsule. Today, you can visit the space and see it set up just as it was at the height of the missing soldier's office. And you can climb the steps that she walked up, and you can just feel her presence when you're up there. David says the museum certainly isn't the only place you can see Clara Barton's legacy in action. Modern day, you see that black MIA flag places, and you think, yeah, that's the right thing to do. It is so important to offer families that closure um, and so that they can you know, move on with their life. We like to say when you see that black MIA flag, you really need to think of Clara Barton because she really is the one who started that whole movement, understood the importance of it, and that work continues today. The Missing Soldiers Office Museum is open Thursday, Friday, and Saturday from 11 to 6. And special thanks to David Price for telling us the story of Clara Barton and the office. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. This episode was produced by... Amanda McGowan. The production team includes... Doug Baldinger. Chris Naka. Camille Stanley. Willis Ryder Arnold. Sarah Wyman. Manolo Morales. McKenna Smith. Gianna Palmer. Tracy Samuelson. John Delore. Peter Clowney. Guinevere Govea. Our technical director is... Casey Holford. This episode was mixed by... Luce Fleming. And our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I will see you next time. Witness Docs from Stitcher. Hi, I'm Lale Arakogli, host of Women Who Travel. Women Who Travel is a transported podcast for anyone curious about the world. We talk to adventurers and athletes. I've raced the God's Own Adventure Race, which is on the South Island and goes through the mountains down in the Southern Alps on New Zealand. That was eight days spent out in the wilderness. And chefs. Iranian food is home, it's family, it's love. And we share dispatches from our listeners. Ireland is full of these, I will call them ghosts of the past. From stampeding elephants to training sled dogs. We hear it all. The dogs will curl right up with you, and it can be kind of cozy waiting things out. New episodes of Women Who Travel publish every Thursday. Join us wherever you listen. <laughs>